0: Greetings. This is Perry Green with God in America, and I want to thank you for listening in today. And we are going to interview a good friend of mine, Kevin Clarkson, who is preaching for the Liberty Church in Yukon, Oklahoma. And Kevin, I want to welcome you and thank you for taking time for us as we uh, we do this podcast. Thank you, Perry. It's good to be with you. Well, Kevin is a, a brave Patriot pastor. Kevin, if you would just tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to get into the Patriot area.
1: Okay. Well, I am a native Oklahoman. You mentioned we're in Yukon, Oklahoma, Um, and I've pastored four churches in the state for about 40 years, and now I'm at Liberty, kind of in a—I hate the word retirement with the Lord's work. It's not, but I'm not as full-time, full-load as when I was a younger man, but served the Lord in some um, prominent and large churches and had uh, a lot of opportunities God gave me. I'm very grateful for those, and uh, I began— the call to Christ in my life as a, as a young man and surrendered to him at age 14. And at age 16, I, I just had a growing love of his word and seeing how it encouraged people and had a desire to serve him. Mm-hmm. And I just sensed that he was asking me to step in and answer a call to ministry. Okay. So where did you go to school? I went to, um, well, my home hometown was Edmond, Oklahoma's high school. And then I went to Oklahoma Baptist University. Right. And then on down to Fort Worth, Texas, for a seminary for okay. my degrees of, a, you know, Master Divinity and
0: a Doctor of Ministry. Very good. Very good. And what was your specialty with the doctorate?
1: Uh, church history, actually, in oh. the, the, the realm of evangelism and church growth okay. and missions. Okay. So... The expansion of the church. Okay. With with church history, mm-hmm. what things are you seeing repeated today? Oh, uh, we repeat a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have um, a need to be balanced in our approach to truth. We have a need to not forget our mission and our main calling is to expand the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. We I, we have a need to always fight for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, because today, as prophecy tells us, in the last days there'll be, you know, doctrines of demons and seducing
0: spirits, and perilous times, and we're seeing that more than ever before. Yes, yes, it's absolutely true. Um, and then, so you're deeply involved in, in patriot. Things mm-hmm. as, and I know in some of our conversations that your knowledge of history, of American history, is, is uh, really good. So, how, first of all, how did you get involved in the Patriot things for today?
1: Well, it's interesting. It happened spiritually. I mean, I'm a good, loyal American anyway. I love my country. The longer I live, the more I love it and the more I appreciate it. But even as a young man, that was instilled from my family. And uh, we weren't military, but my dad was National Guard, but we always um, had a strong uh, celebration of our history and our freedom and where we came from. When I began to grow in the Lord, uh, there was in my denomination or group a certain slice of ministry that was really on the fullness of, of a walk with God, a renewal, if you will. And the emphasis was on really having all of God's work in your life. So I'm I'm following these guys, and I'm learning uh, just about the ministry of the Spirit and, and the fullness that Jesus gives us and just the freedom of grace. And this is all totally spiritual. And yet within that group, lo and behold, one day there was a monthly magazine, a publication, and there the whole issue was titled God and Country. Hmm. And I looked in there, and I was most arrested, back, and this was back in the day when his ministry was starting, and I was still a teenager, Charles Stanley at First Atlanta. Uh-huh. And a powerful message on our nation and the call to preserve our liberty. It kind of was an awakening for me. And then I got steered to the ministry of Tim LaHaye, who for many years pastored a Baptist church in uh, San Diego. And actually began the scientific creation uh, ministry out of that church. But he was also a patriot. And he also taught prophecy. And he taught about the four temperaments. And there's all this fascinating stuff he did. He did family life seminars. This was back years ago. But the the patriot thing, he just opened up for me an understanding. And then about the first few years of my ministry as Mm -hmm. a pastor, I had the privilege of hearing David Barton. Oh, yeah. And it was jaw-dropping. Okay. As he began to explain... The true statements and letters and documents in their own words of our founders. That's right. And the undeniable imprint of the Christian faith
0: on the founding of this nation. Exactly. Exactly. You
1: can't get away from it.
0: Well, in, in our culture today, there are Christians who say we shouldn't be involved. <laughs> and, and so how do you deal with, with that idea? Well, I
1: just say how do you be salt and light Uh, without being involved. The salt has to move out into the meat and the decay, and the light penetrates the darkness. It doesn't stay huddled in the closet, right? So we've got to get out among it. But the other thing is, when you said in our culture, let's ask ourselves, God could have had you and I born in Russia, Soviet Russia, and we wouldn't have this opportunity. We would be under the boot of the Bolsheviks. And probably you and I would have been in Upper Siberia, labored to death, and disappeared one night. That's right. But God let us be born here, and who is the king in America, as Bill Federer asks? We, the people. Right. And I think if you're an American and a Christian, and in the opposite order of that, you're Christian first and then an American. But if you do live here and you don't exercise the rights and privileges that our Constitution has granted you, I think you're going to answer to God for letting the
0: country go to hell. Yeah. Yeah, well, Samuel Adams had even said that we will give account for how we vote. Uh-huh. So if, if, we, if we're going to account for our voting, well how much more are we going to account for the other things we've given up? And, That's right. And so I, and I agree with you. I don't think we just roll over um, and, and just let things happen. And I don't know if you've had people say that, but but I've had people say to me, well, we can be Christians under any form of government. It doesn't matter. Well, I think it does.
1: yeah. <laughs> You can be a Christian in any country in the world, and you can live with what God allows you. I mean, the the, the first century Christians lived under the boot of Rome, and they were thrown to the lions and set ablaze as torches alive. They were uh, disemboweled. They were flayed to death. They were crucified upside down. You could live and die Mm -hmm. under that. But you, to whom much is given, much is required. And if we look at this, you know, I'm not a poli-sci major, political science, but if you look at the history of mankind, America is unique. Yes. And this is the full formed blossom of spiritual liberty that has come all the way out to the fullness of life. We don't have to have, for now, papers to cross from one state line to another. We don't have to get approved by the government if we can work at this place. They don't say where we go to school. We have all these liberties. And again, Jesus said, to whom much is given, yes. much is required. And, and Perry, I rather fear that in this generation, we who have been given the most have done the least
0: with it. Yeah, and that's a sad commentary to us. Yes. Because we really have, we kind of dropped the ball on a lot of things. And so <clears throat> we're here for this time. In, in your knowledge of American history, how do you see the impact of America on the world with Christianity and all involved with it?
1: Good question. I think, and this isn't original to me, of course, as goes America, so goes the world. Sure. We have been the world leader. And, uh, you know, as you look at how God blessed America, and that's part of the story, we spend a lot of time on the patriots and the founding. But if you realize that once they began and the expansion happened westward, And God began to bring, as he always does, if we walk with him and honor him, he began to bring actual physical blessing, prosperity. Right, right. And I'm not a a preacher-rich, prosperity kind of person. I'm not saying that. It's not Mm -hmm. a good, rich gospel. But generally, the principle is if you walk with God and your life pleases him and you honor him and follow his laws, he's
0: going to bless you. Right, Exactly.
1: He says he will. He says so. And so we've been given unparalleled opportunity for blessing in this land. So you begin to look at what happened. Not only did the great awakenings prepare our nation for the spiritual convulsions of the American Revolution and and the second uh, awakening for the Civil War, but after that, the modern missions movement began. You had these great crusades with Moody, uh, Finney, and you had all these mass evangelism movements, even into the, 19th uh, or the 20th century with Billy Graham, right. and now others in our day at a lesser extent, but also more missionaries were being called and sent forth into the world from America than anywhere else, not including Catholicism. And we think that, you know, the gospel there is not as clear as it's being brought by uh, American Christianity, which is largely Protestant. So let me just say that. You know, God sent
0: forward a modern movement out of our country, and he used the blessings of America to further that. Absolutely. And that's the thing that really jumped out at me as I've been studying some things is just how much of an impact America has had on the world with Christianity. And, and we started with it. The founder said it, and, and we've impacted the world because of it. And I really hate it if we drop it, if, if we lose out on that, and, and who's mm-hmm. going to take over if we lose? And who's been more generous over the
1: decades and scores of years than America in helping countries that were really down and out or helping rebuild nations after they were devastated by wars, even wars we were involved with, but we would come back
0: and help restore, which is um, the, the ministry of Jesus in action. Sure. Yeah, that's right. And, and that's the DNA of America. It is. Yeah. So that's why we do a lot of things and don't even know why we do it. Europe doesn't have that <clears throat> generosity. The no. Islamic
1: world certainly does not no. display that generosity. No. No. That's uniquely American. Yeah.
0: And it's uniquely American because America was uniquely Christian in the beginning. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, now, you mentioned prophecy a minute ago, and I know mm-hmm. that's a real uh, interest of yours. Yes. And, and I'm not a prophecy guy. So... <clears throat> so I, I kind of steer okay. away from it. So tell us some things that, the first okay. of all, why you were interested in it and, and some of the, maybe some of the discoveries you've had.
1: Well, I mentioned Brother LaHaye's work back at the San Diego uh, church in the day. And he was a real student of prophecy. There was a guy that was at Moody Memorial Church in Chicago for years named Dr. Harry Ironside. Okay. And he sort of mentored Tim LaHaye, I think, when he was a young guy. And Ironside was really a proponent of this and this was before uh world war ii ended and ironside was saying that the nation of israel is going to be reborn oh
0: okay
1: and of course it was yeah. and we've lived to see the single greatest fulfillment of in modern prophecy in our lifetime the greatest would be jesus christ in his first and second coming sure but to see the rebirth of israel from a land that was barren and dead raised from the ashes regathered from the four corners of the world That just gives me chills talking about it right now. That's right. Because we see the hand of God in history. And I was privileged as a sideline in the last several years to be the host for a um, television show called Prophecy in the News. And we were uh, broadcast, I could say around the world, but I know it was in English-speaking areas, Australia, New Zealand, United Kingdom, Canada, America, maybe some other places. But I would interview guests who were writing cutting-edge prophetic insights and books. And uh, just, it was a natural love of mine anyway. And I always read the Bible, and I looked at the newspaper in my other hand, like Billy Graham said. And I've always tried to interpret current events in light of the eternal word. The word is eternal. It will be fulfilled. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will abide forever. But you look at that, you look at
0: current events through the lens of Scripture. And so that's where I have that interest. Okay. And so you, you talk about Israel Um, What other things are jumping out at you? Well, 1948 was the year that uh, Israel was rebirthed.
1: It was also the year of the birth of the United Nations. Yes. How interesting. Mm -hmm. Because when you come to the major prophetic theme, really it's the kingdom of God against the kingdom of Satan. And this isn't a boxing match, 15 rounds with two equals. It's not even a contest. It didn't need to happen. But God let it happen to display to the universe... The angels, the demons, and all of humanity, that his ways are right and good and yep. holy and yep. just. And so he let free choice and evil and suffering and the curse run their course. And he solved it at the cross, but he's coming
0: back to enforce it and bring home the world. Very good. Very good. And we're a part of that. Well, then we are. And I, I just find it fascinating that, that you're able to pull things from Scripture that fit into the current events. That's
1: you can see some things unmistakably, but the dicey thing and the thing I always liked to say to my Prophecy in the News uh, audience was, you know, looking back at fulfilled prophecy, our vision is 2020. Oh, sure. Looking yeah. forward, it's like 50-50. It's a little dicey yeah. sometimes we're guessing, you yeah, know. that's right. Uh, we're, we're not quite sure, but we're doing the best we can. Yeah. And prophecy tends to be such that after it's fulfilled, you see it the most clearly. And that's what Jesus said. I say these things unto you beforehand so that when
0: they come to pass, you will know. So it becomes clearer in the hour. Yeah, very good. Now, you've mentioned, too, you've been preaching about uh, the Psalms and applying the Psalms to the current events. And I've heard some of your sermons. And and by the way, if you're listening in, I I just want to give a plug to Kevin. Kevin's one of the best preachers I've ever heard. And heard some of his sermons on the, the uh, Psalms and dealing with current events, and he is just spot on. So what brought you into that study?
1: Perry's kind to say that. <laughs> Let me just say that. And speaking of it earlier, that was in our conversation, of course. I think the, the ones listening now on this might this will be their first hearing of the Psalms. But I came to a renewed appreciation for the Psalms in my own life about in the last two years. I don't mean I never read them. I have. sure, But... There's just been a spiritual work in my life and a new depth of prayer and seeking God, and I've asked for that. I've asked that he will show me things and do more in these years than my early ones. And so um, the Psalms have opened up to me with a richness I have never known, and specifically to your question. And I think this will be interesting to people. I was frustrated November 4th, (laughs) 2020. That's right. I said to my church, and it was the Sunday before we had our voting day, I said, uh, for what it's worth, here's a prediction. I said, I was feeling the, the national pulse, just what I could see and hear. Trump wins in a landslide. Because, you know, he would go to these packed-out rallies and all this stuff, even even with uh, beginnings of COVID. He was, he was having these incredible uh, things, and then Joe Biden would be— at a place and there might be three parked cars and one of them went hawk and that was it. That's and I mean, right. my eyes, my ears, my smell, everything was telling me, you know, this is going to be epic. And sure enough, we went to bed and it was looking like that. And then and we woke up the next day and everything shifted in the night. That's right. Somehow in the dark of night, I think a theft happened. And whether we prove it this week or not, I, I would go to my grave believing that election was stolen. So I just was going through the Psalms anyway, and I was taking an idea before I knew where we were headed (laughs) that this summer at church, our summer theme would be to look at Psalms for the season because the Psalms speak to all of life. But I discovered right out of the chute, and you've probably heard me say this in the pulpit then, Psalm 1 is one aspect of our Christian life. It's personal. Blessed is the man. And he is like a tree planted by water. And, you know, he flourishes and prospers. And that's, yeah, I want that. And God will give us that if we'll seek you. But Psalm 2, why did the nations rage? And suddenly we've moved from the personal and the individual to the international and political. And the nations are gathered together against God and his anointed, Christos. Yes. Christ, the king. And they say we will not have this man to rule over us. And so that's where we're ultimately headed, back to the Tower of Babel. And Genesis 11 sticks up its ugly head again in Revelation 17, Babylon. And, and so it's this united humanity in rebellion against God. And um, so as we begin to look at that as a large frame, I started focusing on the next Psalms, 3, 4, and 5. Well, what's going on in 3, 4, and 5? Those three go together. Most people didn't realize that. David is on a camping trip that he didn't want to be on He has fled Jerusalem, and his son Absalom has usurped his throne illegally. Some would even say it was an insurrection. (laughs) That's right. And David had to flee for safety and get out. And he's praying to God in those three short psalms, number three, number four, and number five. And he starts out a little quaking, and God just helped me sleep through the night. And by number four, he's starting to pray for his enemies. God, open their eyes, and if they won't repent, judge them. And by Psalm 5, he celebrated, God, the victory's in you, and we're going to be fine. So we kind of worked through that in our own lives. And then on Sundays, I took my church to Psalm 46, a mighty fortress is our God, a refuge and strength. Though the earth be moved and the mountains quake, we shall not be moved. We're founded on God. And Psalm 46 and Psalm 64. And isn't it interesting how the numbers play? 6-4 four and 4-6, four, you flip them around. I notice stuff like that. But 64 is specifically during that Absalom Rebellion. And he's writing about it literally in King James uses the word insurrection. Hmm. And Absalom was advised, Absalom David's son was advised by David's trusted once trusted friend and advisor Ahithophel. And he betrayed David. And anyway, we don't get lost in the weeds on this interview, but there are so many things in those
0: Psalms that to me are akin to the time we're living in. Absolutely. And that's what I was hearing in, in, in the sermons I've heard from you, that uh, this is this is just right now. And, yeah. and and so one of the things that says to me is the Bible is not just a nice book to read. It's a relevant book. That's and, right. And so it, we need to study it through eyes of what's going on.
1: Well, I, I think that's so important. And so many churches and Christians are not doing that. I might have got this phrase from John MacArthur, a therapeutic preaching. I think I've heard him he use that. Yeah. But I would say a lot of churches are just doing Psalm 1, you know, just, oh, bless your heart. Calm down. Right. I know you're scared. I know you're stressed. COVID's bad. And that's our Christianity. Really? Right. You want to stand in line at the, at the judgment seat of Christ by that Nigerian pastor that had both hands cut off for handing out Bibles and was later uh, flayed alive? You want to stand by him and describe your stress? Absolutely. You know? Come on. Yeah. The church has been persecuted for centuries. And again, to our point about America, we're an island in a sea of persecution. We're an exception in this nation. We are the only place because of our First Amendment that has not been persecuted. We have had religious liberty. Even good old Europe had all the religious wars for hundreds of years between Catholics and Protestants, and we didn't go down that road. We said, no, every man in his conscience before God and we're going we're gonna, to—the very
0: first foundational freedom is religious liberty. Very good. Very good. And, that, and that's right. That's Our founders knew that, and they knew the, the basis and the importance of it. Where did we get off track, do you think, historically as, as
1: Americans? Yeah. Well, historically and hysterically, <laughs> the ACLU, which I call the Atheist Communist Lawyers Union, they actually—was started by Roger Baldwin, who was a registered communist. Okay. And they use our money. Did you know they get a lot of their budget from the US government? No, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, your taxes paid a lot of ACOU's okay. cases. So they try to sue the pants off churches, you know, and, and shut down our liberties. They inverted, twisted, and and totally distorted the First Amendment and this phrase that's not in the Constitution that everybody uses, separation of church and state. And they turned it on its head to say the church is to stay in its building and stay quiet and do your thing in there. But worship is private. It doesn't belong in public. Right. The founders would be aghast.
0: Yeah, and what was
1: Jefferson's point? Jefferson was That's quoting. He was assuring the Baptists of Danbury, Connecticut, the Danbury Association in Connecticut. They wrote <clears throat> concerned about the Bill of Rights that was going to be passed. And he said, no, there's an inviolable wall of separation between the church and state. And Jefferson was a good politician. So he didn't just make that up. That was music to their ears. It was from a sermon by John Witherspoon that likened the church to a beautiful, succulent garden with a wall around it that protected it from the magistrates. The church was never to have government reaching inside and telling it what to do. But we get to tell the government what to do. because We do. We're salt
0: and light, and we have a prophetic role. And we're citizens. And we'll be unto us when all men speak well of us. (laughs) Right. And it's, it's a battle, and, and you're right. I, I don't like the idea of standing before God and him asking me what, why I didn't do what I should have done. I know. And,
1: and so. Uh, and you and I are at the point in life where, you know, I could go home to heaven today yeah. happy. Sure. God's blessed me better than I ever deserved. But I have children and I have grandchildren. Exactly. And I want to leave for them at
0: least as good as I had, if it's possible. If it's possible. That's right. But it's the it's the battle, and every generation has its challenge. They do. And this is ours. And it's tests. Yeah.
1: And I'm a big picture. kind of helps me to see the big picture and just to, to go where I think we would want to go uh, if, if people are wondering, you know, what is going to happen right now? Is this election going to be sorted out? Are we going to find answers? How come we can't ask questions is my only thing about something everybody has questions about, and we're just told to shut up? and sit down, yes. and this was the most secure election in history. Yes. That there ought to make us suspicious. Yes. Me thinks he protested too much, <laughs> That's right. right? That's right. But the big picture is, and and, and you know this, brother, we're either going to be headed for the return of Christ soon, or we're going to have a reprieve again and a, and a revival season. Yes. And I'm praying for the former. I want Jesus to come back, but I'd love to see more people saved, come to Christ I'd love to see a real, what we call in our church, an atmospheric revival right. where people literally walk outside and God's presence is so powerful. It
0: almost knocks them down, you know. Well, Benjamin Franklin talked about that. In Philadelphia, in, Philadelphia. in the Great Awakening.
1: Yeah. That's right. Yeah. He said you couldn't go three steps without hearing hymns or somebody qu- quoting the songs.
0: Right. Absolutely. Sounds good to me. It'd ben. be nice <laughs> to have. Yeah, it would. Exactly. We could use more of that. Yeah, that's right. Not yeah. less. Yeah, and... And he was uh, so irreligious, everybody yeah. thinks, but he, he really had depth to it.
1: Yeah, he did, and,
0: he and did, so. when you really pressed him on it. Yeah.
1: And, and the other thing is, if, we, if, we, if God should choose, and that's his choice, and only he knows the time of his return, but if he should choose not to let that happen, then, then where we are headed, I believe, with this current uh, administration's direction, we are ramping up to subsuming the United States under the United Nations to a one-world government Right. where the Constitution will be tattered and frayed and we will answer to UN dictates and that one-world government takes us to the end time in Revelation. Right. It would be a one-world leader, mm-hmm. one-world economy, one-world religion, one-world government and it will enslave humanity and Christ has to return.
0: Right. And, and that's been the battle all along is being free or being a slave yeah so. that is again we're back at liberty we're back at liberty literally yeah literally we're in liberty we're church. sitting in the liberty church <laughs> <laughs> that's right
1: <laughs> you know what I tell them in my church you know, it's, it's, it's kind of at that point in life where you know they trust me and I trust them so I joke and if, I said if you guys ever ask me to do something I
0: want to I'll just say well I'm not at liberty to do that <laughs> that's funny <laughs> <laughs> that's good now, one of the things I really like about what you're doing at Liberty is your midweek prayer time. Okay, thank you. Your, your prayer time is critical in this time. Amen. And, and whether it's personal, but there's something powerful about community prayer. There is. And, and,
1: and you were already on this track in your own life, I think, from some experiences you've had yeah. and places you've been.
0: Yeah, it's, it's been an important subject for me. I'm not, as, I'm not a good prayer person as I want to be. But I know it's. Who would critical. say he is? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a critical thing, and uh, and Jesus just to be in God's presence yeah. is what changes things. Well, and how we're going to change America? Well, we have yeah. got to have God's presence. And we do have to have God in America.
1: And, and you've and, probably heard me say because you've been at some prayer meetings with me and. You know, I, Jesus said, we're two or three are gathered by name. And I said, Lord, you've been to some of the same prayer meetings I have. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's yeah. not the most popular always that the biggest crowd is there. Right. We'll come for hot dogs or ice cream or, you know, some kind of fellowship or something, a great Bible study, even great preaching. But you say, we're going to get down and pray. And it's really the prayer warriors that show up. Right. And prayer is hard work. It is work. It's labor. It is. Paul talked about uh, one of the pastor who labors agonizing yes. in prayer for you. That's right. And you've got to be, I learned that it's love on its knees. And when I started praying more than I ever had a couple of years ago, and here I've been in ministry 40 years, that old song came to me, take time to be holy. Mm -hmm. And I was always in too big a hurry. I'm a doer, a producer, an achiever. I have my list. I check my boxes. I make my plans. I do like to sit and study and learn and read, so that's okay. But just to sit and close my eyes and talk to God was like torture, I understand. Until he showed up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and
0: it's different. And that's what happened. It's different.
1: And I learned he showed up when I start to praise him.
0: Good. When I begin to praise him. Which are right out of the Psalms. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, So it and there is something that you can go through prayer by rote, or you can go with his presence, and, mm-hmm. and there's a huge difference between the two.
1: And you know, back to prophecy, the book of Revelation... There was one time at the end of the year, I don't know, it's been probably 15 years ago, I decided to read the whole book of Revelation in one sitting. Mm -hmm. Because it was that slow time between Christmas and New Year's. Nothing's going on anyway, you know, in church. So I just took Revelation Mm -hmm. and read straight through. And instead of figuring out all the symbols and all the meanings, what overwhelmed me was the worship in the book of Revelation. okay. It is, it moves from one worship scene to another. There's all this gore and horror on earth but in heaven they're all falling down blessing honor glory and power be unto you you are worthy for you have redeemed us from all nations and you gave your blood and it's just overwhelming and we better learn whether we have listen we have revival we're going to worship amen it's going to come that's right and if we go into tribulation rapture whatever we're going to need to learn to
0: worship and praise and that's true that's the only way we're going to make it yeah that's true how do you how do you see the connection of our prayers to spiritual warfare?
1: I think a lot of us need to realize
0: because we do our little grocery list prayer or even
1: praise God prayer prayer is worship and it is work but it is also warfare yeah and you touch heaven and earth and hell and not many of us venture into that third realm. You know when Paul uh, exercised the demon out of that uh, person and it had actually beat the seven sons of Sceva. Or, or it wasn't Paul that did it. The story got back to Paul. But it was in his ministry. These seven Jewish exorcists tried to cast the demon out. And the, the, the demons inside the man said, well, he, they said to him, we adjure you in the name of Jesus by whom Paul preaches. And the demons answered, well, we certainly know Jesus and we know Paul but who are you? That's right. And I don't want hell saying, who are you? Yes. <laughs> yes. You're a nobody. Right, right. But boy, I tell you, you've got to put your big boy pants on to wade into that. Yes. And
0: we've got a lot to learn. I have a lot to learn oh, still about it. Yeah, me too. And you're a powerful preacher and you are a prayer warrior and you're leading your congregation in those areas. And and I'm seeking too. I just think it's incredibly important to do those things. The word of God is powerful but our prayers are also powerful, and to combat the darkness that's going on right now, those are key to push and, back the darkness. Yes, yeah, yeah. So we've got to we've got to stand up, and we've got to speak up and speak out, and all those things. And it's just a, um, a really important thing that you're doing at Liberty and, well, thank you. and for America and our community here. Well, I want to wrap up and uh, and I want to ask you to end this on an encouraging note. What what encouraging things do you see right now that, that you could share with us?
1: Well, there's a lot that you can be concerned about, obviously, right. and those need to be your prayers. So don't stew. Don't fret. I, I know people that they just kind of get on a news feed or they watch certain channels for hours and they just stay all worked up and bothered. And these are people that know the Lord yes. and say they love the Lord. yes. But, you know, get in the Bible as much, for every hour of TV you watch, spend an hour in the Bible for heaven's sake. Get the good news. Don't listen to all the <laughs> bad good. news. Good. And let the Lord encourage your heart and speak positively, speak truth, speak faith to people around you and just try to point people to the Lord. And you know, as far as just for your own frame of mind, every day we wake up is a day closer to his return. True. And I like to remind myself as a Christian, Romans 8. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory. And I just think to myself, you know, it's gonna be worth it all. It's gonna be so good, it's so powerful, and I can make it with His grace and His promise
0: before me. We can do this, and we'll be the better for it. Yes, absolutely. Well, very good. Well, Thank you, Kevin, for taking time for us today. And thank you all for listening in, and uh, as always, I want to encourage you to keep the light burning as we live in this time.